Ladies and gentlemen, what is up? Coming to you from the Cosa Nostra studios, I'm Matty Buller, and thank you for tuning in to Almost Wise Guys, episode 14. This is our look at the upcoming week 14 games across the NFL, and 9 out of 10 dentists agree that it has nothing to do with teeth. Up ahead, we'll cover our regular weekly picks, talk with the president, and also get to your news of the week. But first, with me as always from Almost Wise Guys Central is Andy, the prognosticator, Atridge. How you doing, Matty? I'm doing well, bud. How are you? Oh, I'm not doing too, not doing too badly myself. Uh, going back to last week, we had a subpar showing, going six and nine against the spread. We were on the right side of our underdog picks with the Jets, the Vikings, and Miami. But there was another dog that covered and won outright, and that would be the team now led by the second coming of Christ with Jimmy Garoppolo. He's provided a spark to this team that they haven't seen in a long time. All right, let's begin with the news of the week. Russell Wilson is the newest quarterback to come out and say he wants to play till he's 45, although if he keeps running around trying to make all the plays himself, he'll be lucky if his knees, back, and neck operate properly when he's 35. I know he's exciting to watch because he likes to make plays happen, but just ask Randall Cunningham or RG3 how being a running quarterback turned out for them. If Wilson wants to play till he's 45, he's got to learn to stay in the pocket. The IOC suspended the Russian Olympic Committee, but will allow athletes to compete as neutrals. Russia could refuse the offer and boycott the games. Russian President Vladimir Putin has previously said that it would be humiliating for Mother Russia to compete without national symbols. It is harsh, but definitely warranted in the instance of state-sponsored doping. Yeah, and you know, Russia could get creative with it as well. On the old flag, they had the hammer and sickle. Maybe they could get a new Olympic-like neutral flag kind of thing and adopt the new symbols like a syringe and a whizinator. I just feel bad for Donald Trump now, though. His, his favorite team's no longer playing. It's almost like being a Browns fan in August. And speaking of random drug testing, you mentioned on our podcast a few episodes ago that the then-suspended Marshawn Lynch worked out with a football team at his former alma mater, Oakland Technical High School. We suggested that he should complete all the required English classes while he was there. Let's see how that worked out for him this past Sunday when he was asked to provide a urine sample. Uh, y'all don't understand what this is. This is when you gotta pull your ding ding sauce, your ding ding sauce out and give him a, 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 a what is it called? A urine sample. What? What do you call it, Grandma? <laughs> Grandma ding ding sauce. No, man, grabbing my ding ding. Oh, grabbing. I thought you grabbing. said grandma ding ding sauce. Hey. Oh, my oh. God. Oh. 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 I thought that's what you said. Herman Edwards accepted a job this week at Arizona State. It's been a long while since he's coached in the college ranks, and this became quite apparent at his first press conference when he seemed not to realize that the team is actually called the Sun Devils. Devils Digest, huh? 
Yes, sir. Where are you located, my man? <laughs> right here in Tempe. Okay, Devil's <laughs> Digest. Okay. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm Catholic now. I'm a Christian. Watch out them devils. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, well, you can see, We're good, brother. We're you can good. see devils all, all over the place. I ain't so. taking it personal. That is the worst first day on the job since Harvey Weinstein walked into Miramax wearing nothing more than a smile and a cactus plant. The Browns fired Executive Vice President Sashi Brown on Thursday, but Hugh Jackson will continue to be the coach. And I quote, Hugh Jackson will remain our coach and will return for the 2018 season, but we feel it is necessary to take significant steps to strengthen our personnel department, owner Jimmy Haslam said in a statement announcing Brown's dismissal. We have begun the process of having productive conversations regarding leadership of our football operations and will provide further updates when appropriate. Jackson is 1-27 since taking over the Browns in 2016. Cleveland currently sits at 0-12 with games remaining against the Packers, Ravens, Bears, and Steelers. Committing to Jackson into next year while starting at a possible 0-16 is a strong statement from Haslam. Jackson's 0.036 winning percentage is the worst by an NFL head coach in a stint with one team since 1970, per NFL research. So the Browns' ownership is sticking with a loser. At least that's something Browns fans can understand. Well, let's do the math. Nine GMs in 18 years. Lather, rinse, repeat. to fire it up with our weekly picks. Well, if we go to the Thursday game, uh, which Woody, was already... Has Woody recovered from losing on his pick by just a point? I, I know Woody prides himself. On well, you know, in, in fairness to him, when he made the selection, I believe that the Saints were underdogs, but I could be wrong. But either way... Uh, he was mostly complaining about some of the bad coaching decisions that were what were made during the day. Oh, huge! Uh, you know, not taking the penalty uh, uh, to make get out of field goal range at third and eleven. You know, running on the field in the last minute when he could have had twenty seconds on the ticker. Well, just a lot of things that uh, he didn't care too much about. And let's go to comments made by the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints, a guy you may have heard of before. His name is Drew Brees. He told reporters a plane on Thursday night is, quote-unquote, absolutely not safe after his team suffered a slew of injuries uh, during a 20-17 uh, loss to the Atlanta Falcons. It's 100% a product of playing on Thursday night, Breeze told reporters, of the high injury rate. Do you understand what guys' bodies go through in a game and then to have to turn around four days later and to play? Is this smart as it pertains to guys' health and safety? No, absolutely not. Well said, sir. Well said. Baby, if you've ever wondered, wondered whatever became of me. I'm living on the air in Cincinnati. Cincinnati WKRP. Got kind of tired of packing and unpacking. Town to town, up and down the dial. in a while I'm 
All right, the first game on Sunday that we're going to be discussing has the Chicago Bears playing against uh, Cincinnati in Cincinnati. So Chi-Town is coming to the Natty. Is that how you say it, Maddie? Chi-Town? Winner of this week's Gulf Coast Golf Classic was Chi-Chi Rotterguiz. Chi-Chi finished with a nine under-bar score. Chi-Chi Rodriguez. Hopefully... Despite that crushing and very public loss to the Steelers on Monday night, the Bengals are still in the playoff hunt. The Bears are off a squeaker to the 49ers, but certainly are not playing for anything, perhaps other than John Fox's job, Jim Harbaugh. Um, it's pretty oh, humbling. Harbaugh. To, oh, well, there you go. You know, it's, it, it would be nice to see him um, come back to the NFL ranks. Well, and as you were saying off the air, Harbaugh doesn't have to play Ohio State in the pros. Or Michigan State. Or, or Michigan State. <laughs> so there you go. There's, there's, uh, there's a couple games already that uh, you can put in your back pocket. But what, what's interesting about this spot is that that Bengals-Steelers game was probably the most physical one, at least I've seen all season. Um, in addition to that, they were sort of humiliated after blowing a 17-point lead. But getting beat up and bruised like that, um, so you couple that with a short week. I think this is a good spot for George Hallis's team. Well, I'd like to talk about the upcoming football game and how the Bears will roll into Cincinnati and uh, spank the Bungles. However, this is where I've got to own up to our bet last week and apologize for being both a dummy and a Bears fan. I should have removed the rose-colored glasses and realized my Bears didn't have a chance against Andy's legendary 49ers. At the 10-yard line, 39 seconds remaining. Back to throw Montana. Stepped up, throws. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo, wow, he's not only the next Joe Montana, but probably the next mayor of San Francisco. Go Niners. Well, thanks very much for that, Matty. Um, it means a lot, and I appreciate it. There was a rarity in Chicago... Uh, Chicago Bears football last week, eh? Did you see What it? was that? With uh, a the, Chicago uh, Bears quarterback threw a touchdown. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Go Trubisky. Uh, Way to go. Well, no, no, it wasn't bad. One thing I do want to acknowledge, it was kind of classy on the part of the 49ers. They made uh, Robbie Gold, the ex-Bears kicker, an honorary captain for the day. And what happened after that? He proceeded to single-handedly uh, with his right leg uh, win the game for the 49ers, getting all 15 of their points. Oh, I knew if it was coming down to kicking that we were in trouble as as Chicago because most kickers despise kicking in Chicago. That wind swirling around the stadium coming off Lake Michigan, not mm -hmm. a lot of kickers enjoy kicking there, but Robbie Gold uh, made his nut doing it. So Yeah, he knows uh, the I landscape. Knew, I knew if it was going to be a clutch kick. And his kick wasn't even that long a kick. I, but I knew if it was even 40 or 50 yards, the guy's money. 
I'd buy that for a dollar. The next game we're going to talk about is also um, rather unique, uh, unique spot here, and we're referring to the Dallas Cowboys playing at the New York Giants, who currently sit as are three and a half point underdogs at home, but it's been a pretty messed up week in New York. I think everyone's uh, heard what's occurred, so we're not going to delve into that too much. Uh, Dallas had a pretty big win in primetime last week against Washington and are still alive for the playoffs. So let's go back seven years. Jason Garrett got his first start as a head coach after the midseason firing of Wade Phillips. And that week they played the heavily favored Giants and ended up coming out with a spirited win with John Kitna under center. And it's all been downhill from there, including for Penn State quarterbacks. <laughs> well, that's twice in two weeks that we've mentioned John Kitla. I would think that we should expect a Christmas basket from him this year. Or at least a good old-fashioned. Oh, haven't had an old-fashioned in a long time. Oh, I'm tired. You gonna go back to the kitchen? Oh, no, fuck that. I'm gonna go to sleep, babe. Here, do you need some money or anything? My pick in this game is actually going to be predicated more on emotion as opposed to any sort of analytical factors. I'm going to call it the Steve Spagnola bounce or, wait for it, the Spags spark. Look for the Giants not only to cover but to win outright here as well. Really, eh? I expected better of you here. This team is in absolute shambles. Their morale is in the tank. And... They've got nothing to play for. Also, Eli Manning, he's about to get the hell out of New York when his contract is up at the end of the year. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. You're cool. And fuck you, I'm out. I don't know, man. I think Dallas is going to win this one. They look sharp. Okay, D-Town is uh, heading into Tampa Bay, and this one's off the board, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, well, we're not really sure about Matthew Stafford yet. Um, he got pretty banged up on his right hand last week. Uh, it seems that he's he's likely to play, but even still, um, I'm not sure if you saw the fourth quarter footage, but when he was coming off the field, there was it was a pretty bloody paw that he was holding. And if he's back in the lineup, I'm not really sure that he's going to be 100%, or I don't know how it's going to affect his ability to get the ball downfield, but um, certainly a handicap for them. That being said, there's not a lot to like about Tampa Bay right now. Their defense is horrific. Um, Jameis Winston is inaccurate. Uh, the coaching staff is ridiculous. Um, in fact, I don't expect most of them to be around next season. Um, so I don't really even know what they're playing for. Uh, but Detroit still has a, a shot at the playoffs, although a very slim one. I'm going to take the Lions on the road here. Yeah, the worst part, too, about Stafford in that throwing hand is it can affect everyday life as well. Like when the guy's going to go into the shower, he wants to rub one out. He's got to go southpaw, right? He's got to give himself the old friendly stranger. So that can really affect the mood and therefore the morale of the team. But yeah, that's true. In all seriousness, though, I've been burned one too many fucking times this year by the Lions. And uh, they don't even, like, never do they show up for the first half of games. They never do. They wait until halftime. They lollygag around and wait for Matt Stafford to overcome 20-plus point deficits, which Stafford is actually pretty good at doing, but you can't do it all the time. And as a result, I'm not wasting another dime on these losers this year. As far as I'm concerned, Detroit is dead to me. Well, that's a good point about uh, their inability to get going early. 
Um, that uh, makes for some good gambling spots on unders and the other team for the first half. So keep that in mind as well. Green Bay going into Cleveland and the Browns, three-point dogs at home. And you know what? I don't think Cleveland could cover three points against Green Bay's best high school football team on a Friday night, much less over the actual Packers on a Sunday afternoon. Well, you know what, Matty? There's an old adage that even a broken clock is right twice a day. So I'm going to say something here. Don't, I don't, don't say what I think you're going to say. If the Cleveland Browns are going to win a game this year, this is the spot. So much for the auto fade, eh? Well, now that Hugh Jackson's got this renewed confidence in himself, knowing that he'll be back next year, maybe he can figure out a way to have Josh Gordon play every single position simultaneously. Most times that there's a significant personnel change, there's usually a noticeable response by the players, either positive or negative. Knowing that Mr. Jackson is 1-27 since taking over as a head coach, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that he notches up W number two this week. Well, Lord knows there's been a lot of number twos late in Cleveland this year. Well, even if I just checked the weather report, and uh, it's supposed to be very gusty um, in Seatown. Now, not, that's, that's not new weather conditions for the uh, Packers, to be sure, but... Um, it, it does act like a, an equalizer, so maybe that'll play another favor. Okay, the Indianapolis Colts heading into Rich Stadium in Buffalo, and Buffalo three-point favorites at home. Yeah, the Bills were the recipients of a good old-fashioned beatdown last week by the New England Patriots. To add insult to injury, that win made Tom Brady the third winningest quarterback in Buffalo behind only Jim Kelly and Joe Ferguson. Yeah, Brady! He's awesome! I can't believe Giselle gets to sleep with him. Yes, only two Buffalo Bills quarterbacks have more wins in Buffalo than Tom Brady. We still don't know if Tyrod is playing or not, but even if he doesn't start, the Colts will be seeing a big dose of LaShawn McCoy. Indy is allowing over 112 rushing yards per game on the road this year. The Colts have the 27th ranked offense in the league. And after an embarrassing loss to the Pats on Sunday, look for the Bills to bounce back, playing another game at home. Circling the wagons, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, the big thing you said there was the Colts having the 27th-ranked offense in the league. Buffalo's defense is pretty solid. I don't think they're going to let the Colts get out of hand at all, and Buffalo always plays well at Rich Stadium. I'm, I'm with you. I'm taking the Bills with the points. All right, it's a tough one here. Minnesota... They don't seem to get a lot of respect, but here they're getting respect as they roll into Carolina as two-and-a-half-point favorites. Well, I, I, to be quite honest, I don't think they're even getting enough respect here. Uh, yeah, they covered the, They've covered the last eight straight games, and I think in, in terms of defense, they're playing the best all-around ball in the entire league. They were. You called it last week. Yeah, it travels well. You um, said their defense was the one that could keep uh, – it was Atlanta, right, they played? Yep. Yeah, so they and they did a damn good job at that. And Case Keenum also, he looks pretty, um, pretty calm, and uh, he looks like he belongs there now, doesn't he? He, he looks competent. I think uh, we won't. There's no going to be no more discussions about Teddy Bridgewater taking the field this year. Nope. Although they got um, some good trade bait for the off season, then. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Carolina, the eight and four. I mean, they're fighting for a playoff spot, but. The other hand, the Vikings are looking to take home field advantage all the way throughout the playoffs into the Super Bowl 
because that's where the Super Bowl will be played in Minnesota. Yeah, they can clinch the NFC Norris with a win this week. Yeah, but they're yeah, but as I say, I I, I think they want to be playing all their, their playoff games home. at home. I agree. So they're that's that, that's going to be on their mind. On the other hand, you know, Cam is the leading rusher in the Vikings. The Vikings are allowing the fewest yards per rush in the entire league. And, you know, you mentioned Case Keenum. I, I, I think he's going to be happy picking up short short yardage passes and, and doing the running game, just moving the chains, keeping the defense off the field. Sham Newton gets his grump on early uh, if they go down, and he'll probably be erratic in the longer passing plays. So I'm, I'm going with Minnesota here, and I'm going to lay the two and a half. I'm also going to, uh, I got a bone to pick with a lot of NFL analysts and stuff like that who talk about guys not taking too many shots downfield and just doing the moving the chains bit. Do you know who, Andy? I'm, I'm going to give you a really good guess at this. All right. Okay. What quarterback in NFL history was just great at throwing those outs, those little slants, and just picking up his yardage when he needed it? Who, who, who was the best quarterback at ever doing that? And this is my ranking. So there was a young gentleman that was born in Eagle Rock, Pennsylvania, who went on to play for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. Um, he wore the number Irish. three for them. And I think he donned a number 16 for the San Francisco 49ers. You bet. And you know what? Everybody praises Bill Walsh as well. And the way Walsh in Montana worked, uh, whether you were a Niners hater or a Niners lover, you had to respect it because the Niners were always going to get their first downs. It was unreal yeah. how they would just – it didn't matter if they had to go 80 yards. That's great. The way Joe Montana saw that, that's as long as I'm hitting more than three and a half yards per, we're good. Yeah, so, and that's actually uh, – that's, that's funny you mentioned Walsh in Montana because uh, Jared Goff's taken a lot of heat um, with McVay calling the plays this year. Yeah. And it's like, what, oh, does that diminish his ability as a quarterback? Who, do you think Joe Montana called his own plays? Exactly. Uh, virtually never. Exactly. So that, that's, a, that's a very kids, weak criticism. The kids still got to step up and make those plays. But yeah. anyway, back to the, the game. I agree with you on that. I, I think uh, Case Keenum uh, is a big factor. I think that Minnesota's defense is the biggest factor because I, it'll be hard for Cam Newton to get anything going in the rush, which obviously will make the passing game much harder. I'm taking uh, Minnesota. All right. We've got a uh, AFC West divisional matchup between the Oakland Raiders and the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs are looking to get some revenge after a loss uh, they experienced early in the season in Oakland. As we all know, the wheels have fallen off that particular bus in Kansas City. They've lost seven of their, sorry, six of their last seven, uh, but yet they sit as four-point favorites at home. I have a bone to pick with Andy Reid. Uh, he suspends Peters for a game. Is it a chicken wing bone? What's that? Is it a chicken wing or a rib bone? <laughs> no, no. It's uh, he, Peters, the kid that threw, Malcolm Peters, he threw the flag into the crowd last week. Yeah, by like 60 yards. <laughs> that, that was awesome, too. What a souvenir. I'd be hunting Peters down. If I was the guy that caught that, I'd be hunting him down to get him to sign that flag for the rest of my life. <laughs> But, you know, it, the league doesn't suspend him. Andy Reid does. And yeah. if I'm a coach of an NFL football team and I got a game that's a rival game at home, it's a must win, you got to get the train back on track now or it's never going to happen. And one of your best guys in the secondary is now out because you've suspended him. Hit him in the pocketbook where it hurts. Make him write you a check. 
but it is his job to be there on Sundays. By suspending him, you're not just hurting him, you're hurting the team. And I think that is a bad move coaching-wise. And Andy Reid, for as much of the strategy that he gets right, sometimes he just totally fucks the dog, and I, I can't figure out where he gets his logic. Well, I'm going to vehemently disagree with you. I think that was a great call on his part. Uh, the team has been playing very undisciplined for the last two months. And I think this sent a statement to the rest of the players that, you know, you got to control yourself on and, and off the field. Doesn't a fine do that? Like, hit the kid mm. with 100 grand. Hit the kid with 50 no, grand. Whatever it is. They, they needed to make a big statement. And trust me, if Ben McAdoo had done that with uh, Odell Beckham Jr. early in the season, um, he might still have a job and they might still have a, a, a sniff at the playoffs. But. Uh, he didn't take care of business when discipline needed to be handed down, and look at the result. You, do you think this nonsense would go on in New England? No. No, it wouldn't, but I don't think it's it's also just the coach in New England. It comes from the coach, but the players keep each other in line. Well, that's true, too. Right? That's they have true a team too, but... discipline. And I, at this point, I think it's a young guy who's frustrated, and I, he was wrong. Don't get, don't get me wrong. Yeah. He was wrong. But when you're in a must-win in a rivalry game, Oakland always manages to play pretty well in Kansas City. I don't want my best guy in the secondary. I'd hit him in the pocket where it hurts. Well, you mentioned about Oakland traditionally playing well in Kansas City. Derek Carr specifically has not. Has his, not. You are correct. His, his quarterbacking numbers are very uh, substandard when, it, when he's showing up at Arrowhead Stadium. His quarterback rating is just over 60 Arrowhead's a um, tough place to play. It is a tough place, and they, I think who is it that's still out? Uh, was it Amari Cooper was in concussion protocol? Yeah, and so he cleared concussion protocol, but he's got an ankle injury, so he's out. Uh, but Crabtree's back in. I just, you know what? I'm going to make a bit bold prediction here that Travis Kelce's going to have a massive day. Um, Oakland's horrible against protecting the tight end, so. Uh, the, the four points don't scare me. I mean, no, normally this is a three-point game, three points in favor of wherever it's being played, but um, I think Kansas City desperately needs a win to save face here. They're still in the playoff hunt, so um, I'm going to be laying the points here at home. Yeah, I'm taking Kansas City as well, and may I, for the record, say that Alex Smith is a good quarterback. It, none, yep. of, none of what's happened in their losses has really been his fault. The offense has always played well. It's their defense that is playing, and you are right, undisciplined football. Well, the defense is a matter of how, how you get them back playing as, a, as more of a unit. Well, the Jets had them um, had the defense on the field for almost 43 minutes last game. Yeah. Like any defense, I don't care how good you are, you're playing two-thirds of the time. plays, forget about it. That's a long time. All right, Houston, two-and-a-half-point favorites at home against your San Francisco 49ers and I'm donning my Swami hat here Andy and uh, maybe I got my rose colored glasses on again I don't know but I'm thinking your Niners might win two in a row well when the line came out at uh, at San Fran plus three and a half I really liked that at the beginning of the week but that's now changed it's under the field goal and it's Houston minus two and a half and I was like, ooh, Houston's at home. They probably should have covered against Tennessee in the last game. Um, and then I looked at the injury report. And as a result of that Tennessee game, uh, Braxton Miller, wide receiver, 
concussion protocol questionable. Alfred Blue, Alfred Blue rather concussion doubtful. Uh, Fedorowicz, their tight end, injured reserve, he's out. Bruce Ellington, wide receiver, he's out. Uh, Brendan Scarlett, linebacker, injury reserve, he's out. So with these injuries piling up for Houston, this is probably a good spot for San Francisco. Uh, it's going to be a relatively low-scoring game, I would expect. Um, if you can buy this up to three, do it. But even at the same time, I think San Fran has a pretty good showing here. City, where the red-hot New York Jets are coming to town, and Denver is uh, one-point underdogs at home. Well, Denver's not covered a spread in eight straight games, which, if I'm correct, needs to take you back to 1984, since the last time that happened, which, by the way, was one year before the flux capacitor came to fruition. 've been pretty high in the Jets this season and it's paid off quite well they cover a lot of spreads at home yeah they've played five games on the road this year and lost them all with the exception of the Browns of course whom they beat 17 uh, 14 back in week five uh, if I told you that the Jets would be favored in week 14 at mile high back at, at the beginning of the year you, you would have had me committed. I probably would have, Matty. I absolutely would have had you committed. Um, I like Denver in the spot. <laughs> uh, I, they're just just—they're desperate for a win. They're not, not that I'm putting a lot of faith in Trevor Simeon. I'm putting the faith in their defense. Um, See, the boom, Jets are- right there, that's where I'm going to catch you. Because mm-hmm. Denver's defense is relying on their historical awesomeness over the last couple of years. Because this year... They've been very porous, both against the run and the pass. And with the New York Jets, I was speaking of Alex Alex Smith not uh, getting enough respect. Uh, McCowan is actually doing the job uh, in New York this year. In fact, uh, the last game, he looked great. He made the plays when he had to make the plays. They kept answering. That was a high-scoring game. 38 points they put up. Yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, the reason why Denver's... Uh, defense is struggling so much, I think is more of a reflection for their offense being so anemic. They're on the field too much. Um, their running game has not really established itself. I don't know. I just think, you know, CJ Anderson probably has a, I wouldn't call it a breakout game, but I think he has a pretty good game here. Um, I hope so. I got him on my fantasy team. <laughs> and, you know, um, traveling from New York all the way up to mile high, obviously that altitude's going to get to you a little bit, but. I don't know. I just uh, I like Denver in the spot at home. So there you go. All right. The official almost wise guys pick will be Denver. The naughty <laughs> pick is going with the New York Jets. J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. All right. We've got the Tennessee Titans going into Arizona. Arizona is our three-point dogs. 
And we've been on the cards the last couple of weeks. We have. If you simply re- read the stat sheet from the game against the Rams, it would have appeared that Arizona played the better game. Record aside in this one, I think Arizona is just simply playing better football right now, and the Titans are a little bit fraudulent at 8-4. and four. Yeah, to say that the Titans are a little fraudulent at 8-4 and four would be like saying Bernie Madoff did a little Ponzi scheme. I, I'm <laughs> with you, man. Arizona is definitely playing better football as of right now. It, it's getting three points at home. I'm going to take those points as well. Yeah, and you might want to... Uh you might want to consider the money line on this, too. Washington Redskins, go fuck yourself. Sure, we'd be happy to take your money. Yep, just go to our Kickstarter page. Okay, nice idiot. Uh-huh, fuck you. Bye-bye. All right, uh, the first of two games we're going to discuss that take place in Los Angeles this weekend. This one at a uh, high school football stadium as the Chargers face the professional football team from Washington. The Chargers' five-and-a-half-point favorites. The professional team from Washington got their asses handed to them in Big D last Thursday. But that means they've had extra time to rest and extra time to prepare. Um, They've had wins on the road this year already in Seattle against the Rams and probably should have had the W in New Orleans. I know they're a walking mash unit when it comes to their injuries, but um, this line still seems a bit high. Uh, The charges obviously have been preoccupied with the wildfires going on um, in the south part of the state. And uh, there's just more important things than football uh, at this point. I know that their practice schedule, um, was interrupted a little bit but uh, I think that oh boy um, as banged up as they are I still no you know what I'm lying to you Maddie. I am lying to you I like the Chargers here I yeah, think five and a half this, points is a lot though like I, I'm probably going to stay away from this unless the line comes oh down. I know I wouldn't touch this with a 10-foot pull yeah. I think the difference between these two teams is one's looking for the playoffs and one has sort of thrown in the towel for the season so then the um, official almost wise guys pick would be, I wouldn't fuck this pick with Andy's dick. How about No, that? no. But at five and a half, I'm going to take the home team. Uh, they've been playing pretty good football, and I just don't know if Washington can overcome those injuries. So official pick is the Bolts. Yeah, I think Washington's uh, on the way down. A lot of it, like you, you said, it's not their fault. The, the Redskins right now are a very banged-up team. They're trying to, it's almost like the Dutch kid with his finger in the dike and there's just too many holes. I'm with you, the, the Chargers at home. And there's another team from the NFC East uh, playing in Los Angeles, and that would be the Philadelphia Eagles, who actually stayed on the West Coast after their loss to the Seahawks last week. And the Rams, who I consider to be one of the top teams in the league, also had to deal with some non-football issues with these wildfires. It's it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, you'd have to imagine it would Im- be impactful in their minds all week. Um, that being said, I just think that Eagles have a great bounce back spot. You know, you knew they weren't going to, you know, keep that winning streak going forever. Um, so they lost. Got it out of your system. They're going to get JGI going early, and I, you know, taking getting the Eagles as two point dogs. Yeah, I like that a lot. Yeah, I like that as well. Uh, and I have to preface what I'm going to say with. 
the fact that I've been high on the LA Rams almost all year. They've, they've been one of the more, more pleasant surprises of the 2017 NFL football season. It's nice to see an expansion team in LA kicking ass and taking names. That being said, they're still younger, a little, um, a little less experienced, and that's why I think this is where we see what Philly's made of. Bad loss last week away from home in Seattle, uh, and then they go and play one of the hottest teams in the NFC uh, the next week. They've got to prove to the rest of the NFL that they're for real. To do that, their defense is going to have to tighten up. Against the Seahawks, they seem to almost take the entire game off. They definitely took the second half off. Um, I think they go into L.A., they win a tight one here, take the Eagles. Yeah, and this will be uh, an interesting quarterback matchup between these two sophomore guys who are, are achieving at very high levels. And another great management job with the Eagles was the way when they lost Glenn Fry, they put Deacon Fry in. Just seamless. to the Sunshine State, Jacksonville taking on Seattle, and Jacksonville two-and-a-half-point favorites. Seattle, though, uh, played a good one at home last week. They're coming off a good win. What that means is, if a person bet the Jaguars on a parlay with, let's say, Cincinnati, who, as we know, won earlier today, that would pay that person 13-5. to So, if a person had bet, let's say, $127,000, that would pay off $457,200. That would cover any bad wagers that that person would have made in the past. Why, it's like wiping the slate clean, Jim. That person would be even for the first time in his life. Well, last week we mentioned how the Vikings were getting no respect. This week I think it's the Jags. This is under a field goal, and I don't know, I really, really like this side here. Seattle's not going to have their 12th man. Um, they, they are also still without a legitimate O-line. And that Jacksonville defense will be putting more pressure on Little Russell than he'll be able to handle. They're tops against the pass and quickly becoming respectable against the run. Look for Saxonville to get the better of the traveling Seahawks. Sunday night football. Pittsburgh back in prime time and their five and a half point favorites against division rival Baltimore Ravens. Well, this is indeed the black and blue game. Well, the official one. Um, Monday night's game between the Steelers and the Bengals was probably the real one, which is exactly why I think Pittsburgh's going to be struggling here physically. They're without Juju Smith-Schuster and more importantly, Ryan Chazier and Joe Hayden. Baltimore, on the other hand, Started to look like a well-rounded football team against Detroit. They ran the ball well, and that allowed Flacco to get things downfield. Yeah, but see, Joe Flacco still sucks. He shits the bed 90% of the time, and every now and then he pulls a win right out of his ass like he did against D-Town last week. That was the outlier. Once again, Baltimore's equipment staff are going to have to bring clean sheets because Flacco's incontinence will be on full display. Add to that... The Steelers are in prime time and playing in the uh, friendly confines of Heinz Field. I'm taking the Steelers to cover at home. Tom Brady looking sluggish again today. 
Not sure what his problem has Blue been lately. 28. Yeah, definitely not looking as strong and virile as he has Blue in the past, 28. Tom. Hot, 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 hike. Brady steps back to pass. He's got an open man at the 40-yard line. And whatever is wrong with Tom Brady just seems to be getting worse. Go Broncos. Okay, the Monday nighter this week. Miami Dolphins at home and are 11-point underdogs to the New England Patriots. Look at Jake Cutler. Look at him go. <laughs> yeah! Yes! Yeah! Yeah, yeah. This one like it might rock. Hell yeah! Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Look at Jake Cutler from the ball. Wow! It's like looking at a naked chick. He just like makes it up. I will say this about the Patriots. Four out of five weeks are playing road games, including Pittsburgh next week. Now, I know Belichick is not a coach to look ahead, but it'd be hard not to consider that big game for the AFC supremacy. I think the Pats play hard enough to win, but look for a backdoor cover from the Dolphins late in the fourth. Well, at least I won't need to slam a couple beers and hit the NyQuil to get to sleep Monday night. This game will be duller than reading the phone book. Let me tell you something, folks. Forget about cocaine and heroin. All you need is NyQuil and Sudafed. I'm telling you right now. I took the NyQuil five years ago. I just came out of the coma tonight before the fucking chow. I love NyQuil, man. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's the best shit ever invented, isn't it, huh? I love the name alone. NyQuil, capital N, small Y, big fucking Q. I love that fucking Q, don't you? What a great advertising idea. Put a huge fucking Q on the box. They'll get high and stare at it. The Q is talking to me. The Q is talking to me. Now we're going to dial up the White House on our hotline phone straight to the president as it's time for POTUS picks. And Mr. President, thank you again for appearing on Almost Wise Guys. Both head coach Ben McAdoo and GM Jerry Reese were let go this week by the New York football giants. This is the first such dismissal of a Giants head coach mid-season in over 40 years, before McAdoo was even born. What would you have done? 40 years they've been trying. You couldn't fire somebody if they were horrible, doing a terrible job. And now you can say you're fired. The NFL announced this week that their compensation committee has extended Roger Goodell's contract into 2023. This came much to the chagrin of Jerry Jones, who was very outspoken about bringing in some new leadership. It's quite likely that this news angered him greatly. What consoling words would you offer to your friend who was so publicly embarrassed? Looks like a nice little guy, actually. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. Tell her to tuck you in bed. Uh, he's such a nice guy. Now's the time we ask our prognosticator to dig into his little bag of goodies and pull out uh, a little tidbit of gambling goodness in a little segment we like to call the prognosticator's potpourri. The Supreme Court of New Jersey is in the process of hearing a case that would open up the floodgates to allow legalized betting across the United States. Right now, Adam Silver, the commissioner for the NBA, is the only person heading up a major North American sport to support this idea. Roger Goodell says that he is against it and needs to protect the reputation and the integrity of the NFL. The shield is soaking wet, 
from dripping with irony as it sells sponsorships to casinos. It's soon going to have a team playing in Las Vegas, and the Saints hold their training camp at a casino. The very reason why it is the most successful sport in North America is entirely because of gambling. Now, long gone are the days of a guy going into a pool hall with a $100 bill in his pocket to place a bet with a broken nose Vinny. Now you have online office pools, sports betting apps, DFS leagues like DraftKings and FanDuel, and of course, the good old-fashioned betting wicket. That is the reason why this league will have over $14 billion in revenues in, in this season. And let's keep in mind that Roger Goodell uh, will be making over $30 million this season. There's a lot of people interested in this game. He should really make a better effort not to bite the hand that feeds him. The reason why this entire league has become so successful is on the backs of gamblers. There's a reason why there's an enforced injury reporting procedure and why referee game assignments are made public. What irks me about this so much is a naked hypocrisy, which it's been like for decades. Betting has played a role in professional sports since, well, there have been professional sports. If it moves and you can bet on it, guess what? People are going to bet on it. The Supreme Court is currently hearing this case in New Jersey at the Richard J. Hughes Justice Complex, which is located exactly 68 miles from Wall Street, where hardworking people risk their earnings for future gains every single day. The only difference between that and a sports book is that betting on sports has a quicker and more definitive outcome. And by the way, the Gaming Control Board is subject to significantly more regulations than the Securities and Exchange Commission. Oh, and if a sports book had a bad weekend and lost a lot of money, the government certainly is not going to step in and bail them out like they did with Citigroup, J.P. Morgan Chase, Goldman Sachs, and Wells Fargo. Anyway, it's nice to see Chris Christie finally doing something more productive than shutting down beaches, bridges, and buffets. Thank you to all our fans for listening to episode 14 of Almost Wise Guys. If you like what you heard, make sure you hit the subscribe button on iTunes so you don't miss a show. You can also hit us up on our Facebook fan page for additional content and picks from all week 14 games across the NFL. Thanks to President Trump for his insights. From the Costa Nostra studios for Andy the Prognosticator Attridge, back at Almost Wise Guys Central, I'm Matty Buller. Get out and pick yourself a winner. Tune in next week at the same bet time on the same bet channel. Sayonara. We were-